Hello. Hello. Industry. Industry. Good day and welcome back to Industry Tactics in the whiteboard of your mind. Today we talk meditation coercion. We talk tarring freshly back from a tour in Europe. Michael Haring and Rebecca Hennessy, who just finished the Women's Blues Review over at Massey, and she'll be playing again in the Andy Kim Christmas show again this year. Um, Michael leads up, among many other uh, acts that he plays with, he leads up Peripheral Vision, Rebecca uh, in the band Fog, and many, many others. We learn a lot about these two U of T jazzers. Um, just a, a power couple two beautiful souls so um prepare to be dazzled and hello to mona if you're listening and everybody listening really uh thrilled to be here with you what is this episode this has gotta be we're pushing 20 episodes kids and and loving it if you are loving it why don't you why don't you get on the horn jake i know you're listening at Industry Tactics, enough promotion. Here it comes now. Michael Haring and Rebarka Hennessy. We love you both. Enjoy it. Welcome to Industry Tactics. If you've been following along, there's an extra extended dance mix to this party on the virtual reality. We're sitting here on the sofa in the home. Can you hear the dick trickle in the background? Listen, that's their aquarium. If you're following along on VR, this has got to be very confusing because I'm, I'm pointing you out to the obvious. Look at it. If you're in VR, look stage left. Yeah, all the big fish are hiding, so... Come on, put on a show, guys. Speaking there, that lackluster voice is Michael Haring on his own sofa, accompanied by... Myself, Rebecca Hennessy. Oh, I'm honored to be here with you, friends. You need a, you need a friendly rich down name, Harnessy? Yeah, I know, exactly. Rebarka. Yeah, I got Haring down. Mm-hmm. Rebarka. Mm-hmm. This is a beautiful living room. We're here. They've got the Settlers of Catan out. Right. I'm with my people here. And Michael, before I forgot to hit record, you were telling us, we were, we were looking at the agenda behind us here of your whiteboard. We're going to start out with Ruby Maidar, and then we're going to shank right and go right down to Cuba Christmas. Where did you learn this tactic of using a whiteboard? The Peter Cancura, who's a saxophone player, plays saxophone in our band, Wayne North. He's also Ottawa guy and the artistic director for the Ottawa Festival. 
Yeah. And and, um, and he's using a he, whiteboard to get the job done. Yeah, he had a whiteboard divided in two with like the tasks for himself as a musician and his hard gig as a artistic director. And then he had them numbered in the order he was going to get them done in. He's so the like kind of a guy. whiteboard for the whiteboard. Is that the well, deal? Well, the whiteboard was like two whiteboards in one. And then, and then he, uh, yeah, he had his tasks numbered and that guy gets stuff done. So we tried to steal his idea. We both have whiteboards now. And we started, I don't know if you can see on the edge, there's even a smaller whiteboard. That was my original whiteboard and I upsized. It says on that whiteboard, it says Feb 16th, Rex, question mark, 17th, Regina, jeez. Are you developing a tour there, just on like a mini whiteboard for a tour? That is a white tour booking whiteboard, yeah. Oh man, we are going to learn a lot today. We are in the living room of two doers. It's true. Holy smokes. And how do you use your whiteboard, Rebecca Hennessy? Uh, same. I'm uh, the musical director for the Women's Blues Review, and right now it's filled up with uh, names oh of uh, the singers, the featured vocalists, and what, what they need to give me, what information they need to give me, so I can uh, complete some tasks before rehearsals start. you got to go closer to that lovely voice next time, okay? You're doing a great okay, job. Okay, sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> wow, guys, you are getting it done. So the artistic director of the Women's Blues Review, how many years have you been doing that? Since 2013. And that's at Massey Hall. Mm -hmm. How does that feel? Great. It's a wonderful show. Since 2001? 13. 13. Holy smokes. But I've been playing in the house band for longer. Uh, I don't remember how long I've been playing in the house band for, but I started the musical direction in 2013. So you guys are both using this whiteboard tactic. You're married. True. Um... We got a lot to learn about the way you got to the shared getting the job done. It's very interesting. Um, that's got to be nice, the idea of playing together, married, not playing together and understanding each other, married. What's that like, making music together uh, as a couple like this, uh, with and without each other? It's great, but I think the important thing to do is to balance... Uh, what's work and what's pleasure and you know downtime is very important for our marriage yeah um, we could work on that maybe but as musicians and it's just hard to stop working oh my god man you yeah. said it you said it so yeah that's one thing that I always have um, and I mean not to get too into my uh, situation my marriage but it's like that and my wife Lynn, you guys know her, is super understanding of that. But it's always a I I feel weird about it. It's like, all right, I'll see you in a week. Right. It happens a lot, and man, it's it's a weird thing. So, I, do you guys have that as well? Does, you don't have to be a musician or a non-musician to have that. It's it's what you said, Rebecca. I think that hit it on the head. It's a uh, you're always working. Right? You, you do work forever. You my God, if we took music out of our lives, we'd be normal. Maybe. <laughs> or even weirder. If, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's hard. I think we're both workaholics. Okay. And, uh, okay, well put. And, you know, you could do an unlimited amount of work on any of the things you do. You know, like you could be constantly doing the music business and you could constantly be practicing and you could constantly be writing. And so... You just have to figure out, you know, in the whiteboard of your mind, how to uh, prioritize these things and what you're going to do and how to take some time off and all that good stuff. There we go. I think we're done.
the podcast is over. Second long, uh, shortest podcast to Sly Uhouse's podcast. Wow, I haven't listened to that one yet. In the whiteboard of your mind, uh, Michael Herring. Thank you. Um, well, that's great. It's good to know we've not we've no you know we we've not really dug in in a conversation like this before. But it's I, I, talking about things like that, like the the fact that you just openly say it. It's like yeah, we're we're both workaholics. I see you get you're getting a lot done, right? There's no well and. It's not a bad thing. Yeah, know? of course. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a great thing. Um, but it needs to be managed, right? Like, I think to go a long distance with this and, and, and succeed and thrive and feel great about yourselves, it's like it, it has to be acknowledged and managed, right? And just, so how do you, do you, uh, how do you do that? How do you shut off? For me, exercise is really important. When I'm not um, getting cardio or just walking, um, stretching, yeah. Then my if I'm not doing that regularly, and then my uh, brain starts to short circuit, and I start to become in the, like there's a bit of a spinning that happens, and uh, it's not very it doesn't feel very healthy physically or mentally. So, exercise helps me prioritize what needs to be done. Yeah. Yeah. Tai Chi and meditation for me. Right. And right. Med- meditation something we do together, which is cool. Kinky. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you do that together? Can we try it right here? I mean, yeah. you're watching us. Exactly. On the, well, there's uh, a meditation cushion right there. You know. All right. All right. Here yeah. we go. Here we go. Jeez. Fuck's sakes. Yeah. I I've tried meditating too. So let's try it. So what do we do? Take a breath in, and notice it, and then keep noticing breathing. Wow, my heart is really going, eh? You guys? Do you extra extra coffee? Yeah. Yeah. I'm all hopped up here. I haven't declared yet, but. I don't really drink coffee, and I had one today. Oh, yeah? And I don't usually, well, I always talk fast, and I don't usually enunciate, so if I'm worse than normal, sorry. Yeah. Okay, no, thanks for letting us know. No, you sound great, you sound great. And the mic distance is perfect. Okay, I gotta remember to get it close to Rebecca. We're making the most of this. Wonderful. Oh, my God. Um, well, that was a great meditation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one and a half to, breaths. Do you have to close your eyes when you do that? You can or Typically, can't. yeah. If your mind is, well, if my mind is spinning and I'm having a hard time because I deal with anxiety on a regular basis, um, sometimes I'll have my eyes open a little bit because okay. it'll help my brain uh, get centered if I can focus on uh-huh. We have a friend who's a shiatsu therapist who's really into eyes open because I guess helps the a- energy go in and out, but I tend to have eyes closed. Fascinated by this. Yeah. I started doing it on the go train on the way in every morning. Oh, yeah, perfect. Everybody thinks I'm sleeping, but I'm covertly focusing on their noses. While fo- <laughs> fo- anyway, but uh, it's super helpful, eh? How long have you guys been meditating? I don't actually know. Early 2000s. Wow. Around then. Wow. I started meditating after meeting Michael. He said that I have to start meditating, otherwise he wouldn't date me. Come on. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. Okay, okay, fantastic. You had me. That's not on the whiteboard. Um, Meditation coercion. Unless that's Isook way north. Isook? Oh, book. that's that's book. The okay, B, the, the the B book has had an north. incident. Okay. My gosh, we're getting right into your mind. You've got it like puked out on a, on a whiteboard here. It's, it's ex- extra bags. Is that for the tar? That's for the tar. Okay, we're going to get into it one at a time. Okay. One at a time. One at a time. So the, the meditation... Michael forced you into meditation. Mm-hmm. It's been love at first sight ever since. When did? How did you guys meet? I'm, this is not, we're not going to go too far into this, but we, we can I'm, go I'm as interested. far as you I'm want. Interested. Do you want to? Uh, our friend, our mutual friend, RJ. Yeah. Sanjay Anthony. Yes. Drum he player. is yeah. a lovely friend. Him and I went to U of T together to study jazz. So you studied jazz at U of T. Yes. 
Okay. So and so Michael. did you. But we missed each other. We didn't overlap at U of T. Okay. Uh, what time is that at? 95? 98? Uh, I graduated in 2006. You're, you're, you're children. Not me. 96 to 2000. We were yes, there at similar times, Yes, right? Yes, you look familiar. Yeah. I don't think we knew each other then. <laughs> no. But I knew Rob then. I met you through Rob. Through Rob Mosher. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yes. Sorry, okay. Keep going. Keep going. So RJ and I were hanging out one day yeah. uh, at U of T practicing after we had graduated. You're not allowed doing that anymore. Um, and I told him that it would be nice to date somebody. That's We were just having a friendly conversation. And he yeah. said, you know what? My roommate, Michael Herring, is really cool. I think you guys would get along really well. And I said, set us up. Come and on. It's not that easy. Don't even joke. It's magic. It's the truth. I always say because she's the only person I've ever been set up with that clearly I didn't know what I was doing for myself and I needed, uh, needed help. I just love the idea of, you know what? I forgot. It would be nice to date someone. I've been, pr I've been, you were, pra you were, pra you were, wor you were so immersed. It'd be nice to date someone. Bang. Here we are. You know, you just got to put it out there and, yeah. and it'll manifest. <laughs> Did it ever. This is great. This is great. I'm manifesting things all the time, like a new, a, a free new piano. You did? You know, I manifested a husband. <laughs> yeah, good. Right on. Right on. I love it. I love it. Listen to the trickle. There's nothing in that aquarium. Oh, yeah, there are. There are. I saw them move. Yeah, my brother always has that complaint that there's not enough fish. There's not enough salt water action there. Yeah, it's all plants. But yeah. they're in there. Good. There's a couple good. of big guys if they decide to come out. That's really nice. Are you listening to that at home? The meditation throughout the little constant trickle. Okay, let's talk about tactics. Two monsters. Michael plays the bass, primarily. Rebecca plays the trumpet, primarily. Mm -hmm. You also both play the ukulele. True. Yep. You play in many different acts, many different... You. It's really hard to kind of pin down what you both do. It's true. You know, you, Michael worked works in uh, what? Um, peripheral vision is a big one for you, right? That's yeah. is that one of the peripheral vision is probably my biggest thing because we've been going at it the longest and have worked really hard and because we co me and Don Scott guitar player co lead yeah. it we tend to you know a lot gets a lot gets done because there's two doers doing which is nice and Rebecca uh, currently fog, fog is happening yeah yeah, yeah I That's see my that band. I see that. Who's in Fog? Tanya Gill. Oh on my God. Piano. Yeah, I'm Don, in. Don Scott, who is also in Peripheral Vision. Come on, sharing. Sharing is caring. And um, Nico Dan on the drums. Holy smoke. Um, Jay Burr on tuba. Okay. Tom Richards on the trombone. Okay. Um, am I wow. forgetting anybody? Holy smoke. There's six of so. us. That sounded so. about right. Yeah. This is a band. Okay, let's do it right now. Here we go. Enough talking about all the members of the band. Let's listen to them play a song.
and the excellent lazy cowboy cowboy feel. I can't even say that. Cowboy, cowboy feel. He's cowboyling because he's all hopped up on caffeine. That's Michael Haring. That's true. Uh, that was that was Lagoon by Fog. Thank you, Rebecca. You're welcome. How long has that band been uh, active? Since 2014. Wow. So, what are we, two years now or so? Right on. Yep. We're working on a new record right now. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got nine tunes, and um, we're mixing with Jean Martin. Okay. Maybe Did you record some... it with him? Mm, yeah, at Canterbury. Right on. He's right producing. on. Yeah. Are those your tunes? All my tunes. All my compositions. Very exciting. Very exciting. Um, let's play something in a moment from, from Michael. We'll play some of the Peripheral Vision, if that sounds good. All right. Are you, you're going to be going on a tour to Europe with, with that band, is that right? Yeah, we're leaving on Thursday. Oh, I Thursday. mean, probably Thursday a month Thursday ago, or who knows when past. this comes out. But. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So you're going on a trip to Europe. Now, it does say pack me bags on your whiteboard. <laughs> you seem to... So I wanna, I'm want to. interested in, if you don't mind me going a little into it, the anxiety. Because like, look at my armpits here. All right. Look at my goddamn pit stains if you're in the, in the VR world. Look at those pit stains. Math teacher pit stains. Can, can you smell it in VR? Okay, this is a good one now. Now we're getting warmed up here. It's true. Um, let's get a little bit into the anxiety. Sure. Do you feel that tickle? Man, do I get I've... nervous and constipate? Do you constipate when you're on the road? Uh, sometimes, yeah. First, like, couple days. First yes. day of an international flight. Oh, God. It's not good on the... You know, oh. no, no, the dry out of the overnight flight will... Uh, Dry the whole system down. Shut her right down. I actually don't stress out once I'm flying. I'm stressed the kind of days before the day of. Yeah. Once once the bag once the base is checked, that's when I'm happy. Yeah. Base is checked. You're in the you, you got the buckle on in the in the in the air, in the airplane. Even an hour before that, just once the base goes down the conveyor belt, that's okay. when I breathe a sigh of relief. And then that's when I start to get nervous because I don't like flying. <laughs> oh shit. But I manage it. Yeah? And I don't have to take medication anymore, which is okay. really nice. Okay, okay. Okay. So you got really nervous on flights earlier. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. I used to. Okay. I'm better now. I'm okay. totally, co I can cope. What have you done to cope? Just pre practicing the meditation. Holy cow. Yeah. Holy cow. Meditating, kids. It works. True. Look at these guys. They're beaming here on their sofa. And so, drinky poo on the, on the plane? Never. No. That's Look at the both of you. Come on, man. I, the night is young. I worked in Korea yeah. in 19... I think it was the summer of 1999. Okay. Between school years. And uh, we like were like, you know, young guys with this like club gig seven nights a week. And we yeah. got deported. And then on the way home, me and my friend Brian, piano player, uh, got drunk. Like drank vodka and orange juice constantly. Okay. And I've never been so jet lagged in my life. Like two weeks of horrible jet lag. And then since then, I... I stopped drinking on planes. Pretty much not even a glass of wine with dinner. Okay. That's the reason why I don't drink on buses either, because when I was in Mexico, I drank a whole bottle of tequila and got really drunk on a bus and ended up barfing on the bus. Amazing. Really bad. Thank you for both of these scenes. They're incredible. Don't Did do it that. stink on the bus? Was it awesome? It was the worst bus ride I've ever taken. It was a 13 hour bus ride. Mariachi tour. Mariachi tour. Oh, my God. 2007 or six. Rebecca plays in a mariachi band. The musical diet of these two 
is these guys are shitting regularly. I mean, the musical diet, <laughs> she's getting she's getting mariachi. Give me a week in your life, musically. Monday. Uh, Monday could be rehearsals. Could be a gig at the Transac. With, with who? Uh, just like Jesse an... Baird and uh, Chris Banks. Tuesday. Chris, Bucky Banks. Tuesday. Tuesday, I play a mariachi uh, at this uh, restaurant called Caballito across the street from Roy Thompson Hall. Wednesday, sometimes I play the Boogaloo uh, band with Michael at Reposado. See that? A little bit of, little bit of time, a little bit of family time in there. Yeah. Still making music on the, in, in, in the mix. Keep going. What's well, Thursday? Now we're ramping into the weekend. She's getting ready. It could be a mariachi or it could be uh, a rehearsal night or it could be a night off. A nice night off. A little bit of balance there in the week. Thursdays. Yeah. Wouldn't think to take a Thursday off. Yep. Friday night, right back at it. It could be jazz. It okay. could be mariachi. It could be Adele. Who knows? Like, what does Adele mean? I played with Adele on a Friday night. Fuck a weeks fuck. ago. Fuck. Keep yeah. going. It could be rocking out with Adele. It could be Adele at the ACC. No big deal. No. All right. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Saturday. Um. Another mariachis. Night. Like oh three God. gigs on a Saturday usually. All right. You want to know how to stay fit? How are those gigs with the mariachi band? They're nuts. They're fun. They've yeah. got to be good for your chops, for like your sense of family. Yep, all good. And food, and usually there's really good food on the gigs, and that's good. So you puked on a bus with a, a, all the mariachis? Uh, most of them were sleeping at that time because they drank a reasonable amount, but not as much as I did. In Mexico? Um, on this, Where are you? We were, in, we were in Mexico going from Mexico City to uh, San Luis Potosí. Yeah. And to be honest, I can't remember where that is on the map right now. San Maurice Potosic. Look it up on the, on the Atlas. <laughs> Listen, if you want to know how this, uh, how this story ends, if you're watching in VR, tune in to the, to the podcast and listen to it on iTunes. That's how these two listen to the podcast or on uh, your podcatcher if you're an Android. See you later. <laughs> Keep going. And then you puke. They're all asleep. <laughs> where it's are nice your... that's not in visual anymore. No, yeah. exactly. Now we're fully oral here. Now... Where are all your costumes stored on the bus? Oh, in our bags downstairs, probably. Okay. Yeah. I don't remember where our things were, but I just remember uh, starting out really, it was really happy. It was really fun. We were yeah. drinking tequila straight. Yeah. Because it was an all-night bus ride, and it was, what, what else are you going to do? And then everyone fell asleep, and I realized that I drank too much, and there was oh no water God. to be had anywhere. Yeah, it was very bad. Oh my gosh! What did you puke in? Just like all over the back of a chair? All no, there was a toilet. There was a toilet. Okay, okay. And this bus okay. was quite nice, and then the second bus. I was thought not she nice. puked in a hat or something and just oh. left it. Like that's what I would have done. That no. would have been me on the yeah. In sombrero full of puke. Yes, yes. Thank uh, you. A sombrero uh, full of puke. That'd be bad. This is this is a pretty bad story, but uh, but it's it was great. a life lesson, and it goes with you know. Okay, it goes with 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 so you guys don't touch that stuff when you're traveling you're 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 pro you're you're adult you're pros right you're not adult i mean uh plenty Getting, of adults feeling pretty pretty adult these days i pretty don't know good. yeah no it's good it's, it's a slick move to, to not drink on a plane i think or yeah, a bus i don't know for me it doesn't yeah. work yeah yeah but and then how many days does it take you on the road to really get the old bowels kind of going again like normal when you're in europe where are you landing in the, on this tour uh we're doing a stupid uh Yes, a stupid, stupid move at the, off the beginning. We're flying into Paris. Here we go. Here we go. And we're gonna rent a car. Here we go. Drive for three hours. Fuck me. Go play a gig. Yeah. I, 
I can't remember for sure, but it's probably a door gig. Don booked this one. Well, okay, then, we'll talk about the different kinds of gigs. A right. door gig needs to be defined later. We'll get to that. Okay. Yep, Donnie booked this one. We're going to sleep, get in the car, drive three hours back to Paris, and then fly to Hamburg the next day. Oh, my God. So that just, this doesn't sound good for the bowels now that you're no, saying that. Like, you know, and, you know, we get into that. So he just walked us through a complete adventure. Like, that's like, how many how many hours flight are we talking? Uh, Eight hours by the time you're all yeah, set. Six hours, hours. Yeah, whatever, overnight. Right? So yeah. they probably, and, and by the way, they probably are booking gigs here the night before just to warm up, just to get all. Yeah, and we're playing the Tuesday before Peripheral Vision, the Wednesday. I'm, we're playing at Reposado, and then Thursday we go. Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy, the settlers of Catan. Then they fly to Paris, rent a van. They don't sleep. None of them are sleeping. Who's driving to... Uh, the the to... good news is I don't know how to drive standard, good. so I don't have to oh, drive shit. in Europe. There you go. That's, so, a, good, that's a good move. Uh, my European drive was driving Don and Trevor to the CAA to get their international driver's permit. Okay. So then I'm, I'm nice designing one. for driving. Nice one. Hey, while we listen to Trevor Hogg and Don Scott... And Michael Haring. Who else is in that band? Nick Fraser. Frazer. Oh, son of a gun. Nick Fraser. Uh, the businessman. So yeah. let's listen to it now. A little bit of peripheral vision. What are we going to set up here? I just want you to picture them let's, driving like mad yeah, across the Yeah, let's listen Europe. to Robbed and Ridiculed. Here it comes. Uh, Juno nominee, right? We can That's say true. that? Yeah. Juno nominee. Goddamn Allison Al. Fuck sakes. She's good. That's bullshit. <laughs> you know it. Here it uh, comes now. You can say it. You could say it. Bullshit, and you know it, Allison Al, winning the fucking Juno. Uh, on the microphone, I'm only going to say good things about her. And All off. right. Well, it's not in writing. This isn't in writing. It's not. It's true. All right, here it comes. We love you, Allison Al. Congratulations on that goddamn steal. It's true. That stealer. All right, here it comes now. What are we playing? Robbed and Ridiculed. Fuck's sakes. Robbed and Ridiculed indeed by Allison Al. <laughs> Jesus, fuck's sakes. Why don't we call it Rigged. Rigged. Just like the U.S. election. Thank you. Here it comes now. By the time this airs, we'll all be dead. Oh, no. Thank you. 
Robbed and Ridiculed. Tell us about that tune. How long did it take you to write? I have no idea how long it took to write. Uh, but it was written in kind of a couple chunks. And, um, you know, I, uh, I did a couple albums at the beginning of my career with Dave Binney, saxophone player from New York. And uh, he kind of has these, like, long kind of, like, blowout sections at the end. And so I wanted to emulate that feeling at the end. So that's where the big, large end section comes from, kind of right emulating on. his writing. And, uh, yeah, the title, the title is a quote from the, uh, the old Traveling Wilburys from the Handle Me With Care. There's, there's a line there where George Harrison says he's been robbed and ridiculed. Right on. Getting in there. Getting in there. What's a door gig? Go ahead, Rebecca. Oh, piss. Sorry. Technical issues. No, it was me. What's a door gig? Uh, a door gig is where um, there's no cover charge to enter the room in which live music will be played. Um, but sometimes there's a tip jar that goes around, and um, musicians holding the tip jar will try to guilt people into putting bills in there. Like a fucking dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's puke in my hat. You take your hat off, you walk around to a bunch of people, and in, in where are you going to play? In France? After, driving, after flying for eight hours and driving for three, you're driving all the way where? Where are you driving to? Bone. Bone, you're yeah, I don't exactly, even know where that is. Exactly. <laughs> Gee, Lord, uh, come on. Although in this in this door gig, I think this there, is amazing. I, I think there is a cover charge that they will collect, but you just don't get any guaranteed amount of money Isn't that based nice? on who shows up with some band they've never heard of from Canada. So you're really hoping the nice people of Bone are. Uh, Bern is Bern in is, where is it? Cabot it's Town? south. It's south. You know, three hours south, a little bit, tiny bit east. I don't really know. Never in, been in in Chechnya or in, in Germany, right, right in France. In France, right in France, yeah. in France. So the, thank you for that fantastic explanation of what a door gig is. We're gonna go through all the gigs now. Okay. What are the other types of gigs? The guarantee. The guarantee. Let's talk about the guarantee. That's where you've negotiated ahead of time, and they uh, they give you that amount of money at the end of the night. Now you you were a very honest man. The first time you went to Europe with this band, I asked you how it went. You went to Jazz ahead. You played, at, or you know, you were schmoozing at a at a at a at a conference. Yeah, at the end of the tour, we went to at the, the conference. At the end of the tour, you went to the conference. You were very honest because you talked about usually whenever someone goes to Europe, they come back and they say, "Great gigs." And yeah, I'm sure there were some great gigs along the way, but you were you you were good, and you 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 talked honestly about how some of the gigs weren't so great, right? Yeah, we uh we you know yeah I don't know I don't under, like people do paint the rosy picture as yeah. a sort of self-promotion thing but it's true you know anything on any tour there's going to be some great gigs where it's full and it's amazing mm -hmm. and you know you play in some 16th century cellar under Nuremberg and it's amazing and then you play in some smoky lame bar cafe place and no one comes and you know I love it. Some drunk guy, you know, we did one in Dresden where some guy came and explained to us the problem with our music, you know, and he was like a metalhead. And, you know, this stuff happens. It's beautiful. It's be like the fact, you know, like just painting that picture, like for most, I, I, I've said this before, like for most right thinking individuals to paint that picture to say you're going to fly eight hours, you're going to drive three hours, you're going to pull a hat off your head. You're going to ask some stranger to respect you for the music that you just made. And he's gonna, he or she is gonna put in, you know. And a lot of the time, they're not going into these bars thinking they're gonna hear or pay for live music. They're stumbling upon They're like, you. oh, excuse me? You want my money? We're birds but of, I'm you know? paying for drinks. Yeah, right, right. Get I out get of my it. way. But. Yeah. 
it's anthropology what we're up to. It's a f weird thing what we're up to. And it's a beautiful thing. I love it. I love the fact, you know, I love the fact that we're able to do that. Like, that's a, that's adventure. Yes. So the guarantee, what's a good guarantee for, if you don't mind me, let's get into it. What what feels like a good guarantee? 4,000. 4,000 would be great. Uh, I mean, uh, not to admit it on the air, but don't do it. no one's, do no one's it. giving yeah. us $4,000, so... Uh, pukes you know yeah that's a cool thousand i mean a good each. a good gig for us to be full-on honest is about Let's a thousand yaros yeah yeah that is so. that that is great that is great you know that's great and that helps um that helps you take on those other gigs to fill up a tour exactly where sometimes you might have to pull off the old hat and do the old uh, exactly do the old what we call door gigs okay so we've got the door gig we've got the guarantee what's next the uh, bar split oh shit what's the oh, bar no. split rebecca hennessy so you could do any sort of um, math, you could do twenty eighty. Yeah, twenty percent. Can go either yeah, way. Okay, you can okay. go eighty artist, twenty bar. Okay. They get twenty percent of the door plus bar sales. Okay. And the artist gets like eighty percent of the door. Mm -hmm. So you're still in charge of promoting and getting human beings to come out and pay a certain cover charge. Yeah. Um, so if you're thinking about a bar that is charging five to ten dollars cover per person, mm -hmm. you know how much. To bring a band of four, yeah. how much do you need to? How many people do you need to bring in in a in a foreign country that you have no connections with to make it worth your while? Yeah, negotiating with someone whose language might not be first language might not be English. Yeah, it's and difficult, eh? The Yara flakes yeah. the seventy thirty door split. Okay. Do they? Okay, okay. In and they experience. don't like um, any months for gigs. Every month is a bad month. <laughs> like the summer is really bad, but also the winter and the fall are terrible. And then there's all the state holidays in the spring. So um, in a way, sometimes the hat gig can be better than the door yep, split. Yep, yep. Go on fate. Uh, so that was going to just ask you, what what do you pr prefer? I'm I don't prefer. I would prefer a guarantee. Damn right. But I'm I'm used to doing the door gig. Yeah. Uh, I mean the you know pay what you can hat gig. Yeah. Um, do you think Do you think venues in the Let's just take the city that we know best here. Do you think venues got it easy? Like all I got to do is. Do you think venues got it easy? No. On that gig, like the, like that, them interacting with us musicians, like, are they taking the risk? Are they taking enough of the risk on these like door deals or these uh the what do you, what did you call it the split guarantee? What's the third one? Um, what is that bar split? The bar, bar split. split, yeah. Door split, yeah. I mean, also in Toronto, it, there's a lot of where you, there's a lot of where you get all of the tip jar or all of the cover and a portion of bar sales. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of jazz places that will do that okay so that's okay. you know that's better than the european door split where they're they're giving you something plus whatever you can wrangle out of the audience yourself mm -hmm. so i mean it's hard to a restaurant a bar a jazz club these are hard uh, these are hard things to run you know i don't know yeah i mean there's lots of opinions about this from everyone about what you should and shouldn't get paid where you should and shouldn't work uh i don't know i always fall on the side of i want to play music you know, I don't, you know, I don't want to be not paid to do it, but I also want to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I got it. I got it. And then uh, the jobbing gig. Let's talk. Let's finish with that. I think that's the final gig, right? Jobbing gigs. Yeah. You like I a job? I play a lot of jobbing gigs. What is a jobbing gig? The mariachi band where we are, get paid to come in for an hour to your home or to the funeral parlor or to the banquet hall uh, or at a park picnic. And we get paid to play mariachi standards for an hour, which means mariachi uh, standard songs, repertoire. Silito Lindo. 
you know, ay, 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 ay. Yeah. Mexican hat dance. What are those funerals like? They're pretty sad. Sometimes we play at grave sites and we're saying, you know, we're helping the family say goodbye and everyone's crying and it's really hard to sing because you're crying. Because, yeah, it's pretty heavy. You're crying because everyone's crying. It's pretty, it can be pretty emotional, but it can also be really happy. Wow. Somebody had a full life. From the outside, it seems amazing where Mexicans invite mariachis. Like, they invite music into, like, very intimate yeah. parts of their life, which is pretty pretty cool, I think. Like that, like, like that. Yeah, like to invite musicians to into share a, your a hospital with you. Yeah. A graveyard, yeah. yeah We've yeah. also played in, um, often we play in um, people's bedrooms right when they wake up in the morning, at like 7 a.m. or at 11 at night, called Mañanitas, which is a little, uh, what is Mañanitas? Little morning or something? Little... But it's for the birthday. It's like in, we wake somebody up at just, like 7 a.m. Just for the birthday? Or could that be like musical sabotage? Can we do this? Can we crank call someone by busting into their house and waking them up with a mariachi band? <laughs> Usually it's a family member that helps us get into their house. Okay. We need to talk about that. We should probably do this. Right? Crank calling. Well, mañanita. Crank mañanita. Yeah, we got to get in on this. 7 a.m. That's living. You just need a recording. You wouldn't even need to hire a whole band. No, come on. No, we need the whole band. Come on, bedside fucking heart attack. This could be the new lollipop tactic. I'm in on this. This is very inspiring. Even if it's not somebody's birthday, you'd want to do this? Listeners at home, you best be sleeping with one eye open from now (laughs) on. (laughs) Boy, talk to me about why you got into this silly life. Who got you cooking on this stuff? Who got you addicted to this silly life? Uh, it's always been there. It's a really hard question for me. Like, I... Ingrid, you're, you're 10 and Mona's got you. Mona's walking you up the hill in, in Vancouver or wherever yeah, you Victoria. grew up. Victoria. Um, what, what happened? Well, when I was nine, ukulele was part of teaching in elementary school. Right. And they needed a bass player because it was part of, part of the curriculum to have a bass player and a drummer. Okay. And I wanted to play the drums, but I was too shy to ask. And then my teacher asked me to play the bass, I think, because I was tall. Is that the Chalmers Dome? It is, curriculum? exactly. Oh, I was doing the Chalmers Dome thing shit. out there. Wow. Absolutely. Okay. Wow. And I, I've, we actually just did a polka gig uh, with Kelsey McNulty for a, you know, it was a jobber gig uh, in the old Oakville near, near your place. Yeah. And, um, Brampton. And, uh, oh, right. Brampton. He's from Brampton. Wink. I can't wink. The vir- virtual reality's off now. Yeah. Um, and I and I knew some of the polkas from learning them when I was in ukulele when I was young. Like there was like a wide range of music you learn in that method. It's quite good. But anyway, I got asked to play the bass, and then my parents were super supportive, and got me lessons. And then that teacher found a bass for five hundred dollars when I was when I was like ten. So my parents got me a bass early, and that got me a going. double bass. Yeah, you were ten. Your parents got you a double bass, like big like that. Exactly, full normal double bass. Were you always this tall? I was born six two. Okay. Yeah. Well, then that that it was easy. It, this is, you were born into the instrument. Exactly. The pain in the ass of an instrument to lug around. So you don't realize when you're ten, you don't don't haul it around. You know, there's one at school, and you play. I was lucky to have one at home, and that was that. And then you've got this beautiful little trumpet, this beautiful little ukulele, but Michael's walking around with this thing. Right. But I started playing the accordion, and that's kind of luggy, cumbersome. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, travel is a difficult thing, man. All right, keep going, keep going. So, how did you get? What? What? What, what did you? Oh Christ, I'm confused. There's two of you. 
How did you get addicted to? So that's it. The the don thing got you hooked, and you you hook line and sinker, and then I mean you you that got me playing. Then I yeah. saw a jazz workshop, yeah. uh, at a high school. I was like got taken to this jazz workshop. I was too young, and then that bass player Chris Nelson, Vancouver bass player, kind of was encouraging, and then started just sort of playing with people if you're a bass people always need bass players yeah. so people were asking me yeah. from a young age to play and then i was keen played lots of different stuff had some good teachers and next thing i knew i was at the university of toronto so, so that's what brought you here is is to study at uft and, yeah. and then you and then you, you just never left wow but I, I i just feel like that. music was always around from when i was really little i always loved it for whatever reason so it's kind of hard to stop, although I'd love to stop booking tours. Or I'd love to end the music business part of my life. But Isn't that interesting? Well, you're so honest. I love it, man. I really love it. So it's, it's kind of got a bit of a love-hate thing on that business side. Like this white, the two whiteboards is, hurts sometimes. It's got to. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, you have to do the whiteboard stuff so that you can end up playing the bass yep. sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And boy, are you a, a weapon on that bass, man. When you have a your face when you're really in that zone, it almost looks like you're having a... There, something's going on. Your tongue comes out a little bit, eh? It's true. It's, holy fuck, it's concerning. Yeah, the, the tongue chewing. I've had tongue chewing injuries from playing, for sure. Oh, my God. Okay, we don't want to talk about that. No, it's just disconcerting to the people at home. It is, it is. Check him out live, preferably. When he comes around with that hat, you know what to do. Fill it. Yeah. Fill the hat with vomit. Oh. No, maybe not. Papers. Papers, preferably with the numbers on them. Have you not ever been numbers. paid with uh, a foreign substance other than money? Uh, tokens. That's nice. Uh, TTC tokens. Um, food. Alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, Good work. Promises of other payments, like um, money at a different time. Do you take Visa? That kind Jesus of thing. Jesus Lord. How did you get addicted to music? Uh, it's always been around in my home, too. We had a piano. Where did up. you grow up, Rebecca? Nanaimo, British Columbia. You, you, this is a strange conversation we're even having. We shouldn't even be here. It's kind of true. Nanaimo and Victoria. Do you pine to leap west word? When we go there to visit our families, yeah, it's like, why do we live in why Ontario? We, well, Ontario's beautiful. We love it. It really is. But uh, it's hard to make a living playing music on the West Coast. If it was easier, I think I would want to live Is there. that right? Yeah. Is that right? It is hard to make a living. Yeah, it is. Okay. Okay. But, you know, okay. we've also established ourselves here and... It's working, so... I see it. Won't, uh, don't want to reinvent anything. So you're in Nanaimo, pounding Nanaimo bars. Totally. How do you get hooked? Uh, I grew up playing violin and piano, and then, I mean, I didn't do that for very long, um, but then the trumpet came along uh, in my home. My brother, my older brother, Adam, brought home a trumpet one day, and I was like, that's cool. Mm. I was 10 or 11, mm. and I started playing it a lot. He kind of showed me the first five notes of the C major scale, and then I just kept playing them and got better. And pretty soon I was better than him. And so I started taking uh, trumpet in band in elementary school. And uh, yeah, here we are. Hmm. <laughs> I went to U of T as well. So there was, was U of T good for you guys? Yeah. Yeah. yeah very I loved much. it. Good jazz program, they say. Yeah. yeah. Great jazz program. Yeah. Great yeah. faculty. Yeah. 
made yeah. a lot of friends there. Yeah. I mean, me, Don, and Trevor, mm-hmm. you know, 75% of peripheral vision all were in a combo together at U of D. Wow. So, you know, made a lot of lifelong friends, musical friends there. Nice. That's, that's exciting. Um, well, let's, let's get into it here while we still have the power bars running on this old machine, guys. I know you and love you both from well many many different contexts, but the one context that really comes to mind is seeing you on stage with the Woodshed Orchestra. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, what's that been like? What's that ride been like uh, playing and uh, working with Dave and and the, that whole family? Like that's a there's an unbelievable thing there happening on stage with. So many couples and uh, a lot of love on that stage. Maybe a little too much, if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it can be music musically explosive in the best way. Yeah. And uh, nourishing. And, Good work. You know. Good Dave, adjectives. Dave Clark is uh, an amazing human being. Nourishing episode two. Listen to it. Nourishing. You'll get lots of nourishment there. Has he been a great? He's a great band leader and songwriter and uh, One of our closest, closest friends. Yeah, he's yeah. totally family. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Dave Clark called this morning. Well, this morning. He called at noon okay. and said... Uh, jazz 9. Jazz 9. He called it Jazz 9. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, he said, do you want to go for a walk? And oh. I said, yes. So we went for an hour-long walk with Dave just today. And Charming. What did you guys talk about? Um... I want in on that yeah. a little, well, a little, just uh, a little, like mostly about that U of T professor that's been controversial about oh um, pro- pronouns and yes. transgendered people. Fantastic! Yeah. There is a l- nice light, light uh, jazz nine talk. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Holy shit! An hour long. I could see. And and uh, did they fire him? Has he? No, been... I haven't. You know, to be, I I can't really speak yeah. intelligently about this because I haven't read everything, so I don't really yeah. feel comfortable talking about it. Yeah. Um, but I don't think he's been fired yet. I don't okay. know what other wow. developments have happened. Since. What a conversation! Fantastic. Yeah, it's it's, it's yeah. a great dialogue. Talking about, I think some things that are I can sort of bring up would yep. which would be like what the idea of something being too politically correct. Mm-hmm. Or like the world being too politically correct, mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. I sort of come to a conclusion that if something's politically correct, if something's been raised in our culture or our community, that you know it's no longer okay to say this about yeah. uh, to talk in this way about this group of people, or yeah. um, it's politically correct because there's been suffering mm-hmm. to raise the issue. So maybe we should consider that and, mm-hmm. and not um, try to keep um, you know things as they were. We right. need to evolve, I think. Right. Yep. Yep. Agreed. We talked a lot about just respect. Yeah. Like, because we started off sort of talking more like about, you know, hate speech versus versus free speech, blah, blah, blah. And okay. then just like, what about just old fashioned respecting people? Like nice. Dave's big on. Nice. What did Dave say? I don't care who you are. I'm just going to want you to feel welcome in my home or something. I can't. I don't want to quote him. Yeah. I think Dave Clark is a great voice to try to get us through. I could, what a great walk you had. I, I think Dave Clark is a great voice to try to get us through that because I, I as well am not up to speed on the nuances of that exact uh, dialogue that's going on right now between U of T and this particular prof and, and, and the world at large, right? Mm-hmm. But Dave's got it down, eh? He's got it funneled right down to a human-on-human, come into my house and let's dine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And his both his wife and his daughter are yep. very kind of community activists in a way. Yep. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that they're community activists, but they're very articulate in yep. how they are able to um, speak about this kind of subject. Fantastic, yeah. fantastic, and very important. Dave will get us through it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the I mean, The Woodshed for me has been one of the most important musical things I've done, like, since... You know, Lou Melville called me up and asked me to do the first tour with Ja Yusuf from Mali. Did you yeah. meet Ja when he was here with yeah. Dave? No. And, uh, you know, we did those know, tours and yeah. then it kind of led into this whole, yeah, like you said, a musical family. So like, that's when that happened? Is it? That's when you joined that band? It was, was Pretty much. And when was that? Oh, 2007. wait. 2007. 2007. Okay, wow. Holy smokes. And, and you as well? I joined shortly after. Wow. Michael and I were uh, sort of freshly dating. Holy yeah. smokes. What a time. It was so cool. And then what uh, a time. Dave, yeah, Dave changed my life for the, yeah. you know, musically and personally. It's just yeah. really great to know him. Yeah. It's really beautiful. I want to play that Mary Margaret O'Hara tune that oh, will yeah. bring you to tears. It will bring Why don't you cry right now by that uh, by that song. Here it comes now. This is Rebecca Hennessy on the recording. Yeah, singing Dave's song. Singing Dave's beautiful song in honor of Mary Margaret O'Hara. Here it comes now.
I can say that that, let me just wipe that last tear. Holy cow. Is that not the most perfect song ever written? What a voice you have. Thank you. Thank you yeah. very much. Yeah, exactly. You know, I've never interviewed a couple before. You're it's doing quite, a great job. Well, it feels good. I, I want to be uh, equidistant. And Michael, I hope you're not getting the carpal tetris on your on your hand, but so, you're doing you're doing a great job. We're sharing a mic. The way we did this uh, this podcast was, I selfishly took one mic for for me because I'm an introvert, and Michael and Rebecca have been sharing their Barringer. It's true. Well, we're used to it. we're used to sharing, so it's okay. Sharing is caring. Sharing is caring. Do you do you cats have any last? Ta- we could talk all day about tactics because you are seasoned. You are living it seven days a week sometimes. Um, let's go through Michael's. Uh, what what does a week look like for you? I know you're you're reposado. You follow him on Facebook if you want to see a week actually, but. It's true. Reposados it like? every Wednesday. Every and, Wednesday. Uh, since you know Sly moved to Berlin and James yeah. moved to Nashville, that sort of been a morphing target on Wednesday nights. Are but you gonna re retweak that? We've well, been doing it a lot with yeah. with Rebecca and then different rhythm sections, Love uh, it. playing a lot of '60s jazz like boogaloo stuff. It's been fun. Man, so man. we've been doing. I mean, James and Sly are on the road so much anyway. We've been doing a lot of this over the the last couple of years while they've been touring. And okay. So that's been good. And, you know, Tuesday nights is often a jazz night because that's jazz night at the Transac. Okay. Uh, Peripheral Vision has got the first Tuesday of every month. Is that uh, one of your favorite venues in the in the city here, the Transac? Do you, would you both say that is one of your preferred or what? Yes, for sure. Yeah, wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know, come on. Really supportive of creative music and people doing their own thing. And yep. Beautiful sounding room, great and- friendly staff you know it's a great place yeah i was just gonna say not not doesn't seem too insular like very accepting of of different genres of different you know like yeah very diverse too with the uh i mean six I, different uh, rooms you can do things in i once was on a show there dressed up as the pope playing a ukulele oh a fond know, memory of that for one uh friendly rich show so you know they're because they couldn't find the grilled cheese outfit right? that's right oh that's a musical regret bad tactics it went subbing missing. out of being the grilled cheese was a bad choice Lifelong regret. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? We'll make it up. Yeah. (laughs) And what does a Monday night look like for you, Michael Haringbone? Monday nights. Monday nights is often a day off. Monday afternoon, I help my Tai Chi teacher teach a class if I'm in town. And uh, Monday night is jazz night at the Emmett Ray, which is right near us, 10-minute walk. So So he just finished saying Monday night was a night off, and then he fucking filled it with a gig. Right. So if I play there, great. But often I'm not playing, and so I'll go hang out because lots okay. of our friends hang out there. Jesus, even a night off, he's hanging out. You, you got it. You got yeah. to be right in there. Is that important? Yeah. Well, Nick, I think the Nicholas Robertson on his tactical uh, episode talked about that a lot. You know, remember he talked about being off the road and needing to get back on the scene and yeah. hanging out. Yeah. Good, you good, know. good term to just get back on the scene. And, uh, you know, the also... In the music world, your friends and your professional, whatever, acquaintances, the people mm-hmm. you work with and mm-hmm. your friends are often the same people. So mm-hmm. going to hang out with musicians is pretty, it's pretty equivalent blur. to hanging out with my friends. Totally. So Totally. Yeah. It's, that's a good hang. Nice. Nice. And then there's, I don't have as much consistency. Things kind of come and go depending well, what, you know. You're, you prompted it for me to go back to it with, yeah, I was doing polka the other night. Like the diet sounds, are you, are you in a death metal band? 
The no, two of you I haven't tried that yet. We need to rev that shit up, no. man. Yeah. Get you off the meditation for a year. Hopped right back up on the anxiety and doing some. We'll do something like a death metal trio band. A, 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 right. A project. A side more, project. More coffee. Yeah. Maybe. We'll get you hopped you know, up. I'd, I'd rather do like a, a Steely Dan cover band, actually. But slow. No, just full tempo. Full, nose bled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nose bled. Slick cruise. But it's a nice diet that you two have. I, I, I admire it. I really admire what you're up to and the hard work and the ethic and the fo- there's a, the the focus that goes into what you're up to. It's it's incredible. Yeah. Well, I always say, you know, no one's going to ask you to play your own music hmm. for you. So if you want to play your own music, then, you know, you better get working on the industry tactics because that's, that's how you get to play your own music. So if you want to write music, then then you need to be booking gigs, basically. I mean, that must be your experience. Yeah, I don't think about it too much, but you exactly. I I think it's very rare that someone calls you up and says, "Hey, I've got this." And if they do, they're you know, fourteen fucking hours away in Quebec. Right. They're like, "Oh, we have a great gig for you for for no money, and Mm -hmm. uh, it's far away." And yeah, wow, I I revealed a a little too much there. But uh, might have been that might have not been that hypothetical. Hey, (laughs) but I I do say that yeah, the the plum guarantees. Adele's not calling me. All right, so I don't know how how you made that happen. How did you make that happen, Rebecca? Um, I had a friend who was called. She plays in the TSO, Vanessa Freilich, and she recommended me, and I'm very grateful. You know, every one of these, that, that is one thing that we learn, eh? Like, every relationship, every friend, every, right? It's like, of course you're getting that call. That's how, that's how it's you're getting that call. about community, and that's what yeah. Christine talked about. Christine yeah. Duncan. It's, yeah. it's all about community and, and keeping, uh, keeping that fresh. You know, the things I've learned recently with just, you know, through music is every one of our relationships, like I value it, I, something, just a lot has happened in our music community, mm-hmm. you know, in the last, in the last two, three months, and it's, I don't know, I, I, I value every last relationship, every last uh, song, every last, you know, time yeah. on stage, it's like, it's, it's, it's pretty special what we're doing, it, and I think sometimes you take that for granted, you know? Yeah, it's amazing, we're very lucky to do what we do, you know, and, and it's a great community of people, like, you know, the, the circle of people, like a lot of these tactics is involved you explaining how you know the person you're sitting there with or, yeah. you know, and just when you, when I think about, you know, I know you through Dave and I also know you through the house plants, through Gordon and Perry, when we do those shows together right, with right, the lollipops right, and, right, uh, right, right. you know, that's, I was trying to remember how I knew Nickel and I don't, I think it might've been through him joining the house plants, but it might've mm-hmm. also been through seeing the lollipops and, mm-hmm. you know, just the circles of people that expand and, and you know, yeah, you meet your friends' friends, and and get to play. I mean, just to get to play every day is, it's kind of foolhardy. Like it's, it seems it's inconceivable that yes. you get to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, thanks for opening your. Uh, this has been very calming. I think that I might have to just take a sample of that um, aquarium. <laughs> and chime it into the back of every one of the podcasts moving forward. Yeah, for a, I mean, for having a coffee, I feel like it's been a quite a calm conversation. Yeah, that's the sound. That's the new background sound of industry tactics. You could just start hosting the episodes here. <laughs> yeah, no, that that'd be great. Friends, thank you for opening up your your uh, your hearts and your minds to uh, to the podcast. 
thanks thanks for having us thank you for having us all right what do you want to end on you want to end on like something that you've done together apart from the woodshed uh that beautiful woodshed song what do you want to do what do you want to do way north way north we have a band together called way north with the uh, with Peter Kanker, that saxophone player who taught us about whiteboards. Whiteboard man, yeah. A drummer friend named Richie Barche from New York, and nice. then us two, and that's what the whiteboard tour is. That's way north going across Canada in February. So, uh, what if we end it with Rebecca's tune, Calypso Number One? You make me feel so good. Indeed, from you way do. North. Thank you, my friends. See you later. Bye now.
Rebecca, Michael, indeed, you make us feel so good. Thank you so much again. It was a real pleasure talking with you both. I love you both. And uh, tune in next time to Industry Tactics when we interview Bob Wiseman. And um, let us know what you're thinking. Let us know what you think about the podcast. I know you're listening, Jake. At Industry Tactics on the Twitter or, uh, or find us on the Facebook too, Industry Tactics. And thank you for your, for your listenership. Appreciate the journey. Tune in next time, as I said, when we chat with Bob Wiseman. Goodbye.